0: Welcome to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference podcast, presented by ESPN and 42 Analytics. This is Jessica Gelman, who, along with Daryl Morey, co-founded and chair the conference with a fantastic group of MIT Sloan students each year. Thanks for listening, and enjoy.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. Appreciate you guys for sticking, us, uh, sticking with us today. Uh, my name is uh, Nahom Brahane, and I'm a first year MBA student here at MIT Sloan and it is my pleasure to introduce this panel. The Evolution of Sports Business, Keeping Up with the Shifting Landscape, presented by Wasserman. And our panelists for today are Dave Abbott, Managing Director, US Sports Media, Sport Radar. Marie Donahue, Vice President of Global Sports Video, Amazon. Stephanie McMahon, Chief Brand Officer, WWE. And Mark L. Walker, Head of Business Development, and Innovation, ESPN. And our I know, pan- right? Sorry.
0: There you go. Come on, we are pre-cocktail entertainment. Let's go, guys. There you go.
1: And then, um, of course, our panel will be moderated by Shelly Pissara, Executive Vice President, Global Insights and Innovation, uh, Wasserman. Woo! Me too. Yeah. <laughs> right?
0: No, this is a killer crew. So I know we are between you and cocktails. We lobbied hard for a bar cart. They said no, um, but you know maybe we'll get lucky and someone will come up with a bottle. So if anybody's hiding one, start <laughs> passing it, let's go. Because um, this is gonna be fun. This We're actually super excited to be together and to talk about the evolution of sports business, but honestly to really kind of dig into what's driving all this change, what's driving all this opportunity, what's happening with consumers, fans, and frankly, The response to it in terms of new technology, new forms of data, massive shifts in who owns rights to what, where you're going to find kind of the latest and greatest and all the things you're interested in, and these are all the wonderful, smart people behind that. So I have the pleasure of just getting them to talk about what they love and what they do every day, so let's just dig in. You guys good? Sure. Anybody have anything else to say getting started? We're going to keep an eye out for that bottle, so just us posted. Um, so we had kind of three themes coming in today, the consumer trends that are driving this, this shift and how we're responding to it, um, what that's doing to create some kind of new moments in sports and entertainment, um, storytelling, we're going to talk a lot about storytelling, we've been talking a lot about data, well, we're going to talk a lot about what we're going to do with it. And then we're going to talk a bit about um, what these experiences all mean, kind of in this, this new and evolved world and, and how we take advantage of it. So let's kick off with the first theme, kind of, of <clears throat> the consumer, the fan at the center of it all. And what I would love to have you all comment on, and, and Marie, I'm going to start with you, way down at the, at the other end here, is just the massive consumer shifts, multi-tiered levels of engagement, really um, the traditional way of, of viewing or kind of the moments we all thought of have changed a lot. And obviously you are now in an amazing position at, at Amazon with a great big checkbook to think about how to kind of capture those rights and um, bring that to life. So share a little bit about kind of what you've been keeping your eye on and, and where you're headed.
2: Absolutely. Well, the good news for us is we don't have to evolve from where we were. We're, we're kind of starting. We always start with the customer. And anyone who pays attention to customers knows um, what trends they're, they're moving more to digital they want things when, where, and how they want. Um, there's a lot of content out there. They have a hard time finding it, and it's usually pretty expensive. Um, so we start with the customer, and we've been able to um, literally, if you if you watch customers, we, 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 they want it. They want their content on every piece of glass. So we're in every piece of glass. We're in over two hundred and forty countries. Um, They want to be able to interact with their content. They want to be able to engage with their content. Uh, They want it customized for them. Uh, So we have the great opportunity at Amazon. We don't actually have to figure out the one person we want to program for. We can actually create a huge big event, big tent event, and then customize and mostly let them choose your game, your way. Um, so that, we just start with the customer. And if you, I'm, I'm looking at Mark Walker over mm-hmm. there. I'm going to date ourselves. We work together in the record business. So we learned a lot of lessons. When you take your eye off the customer, you end up moving to a new industry.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Since we how Mark and I are
2: here. Um, so yeah, so obviously it's all moved yeah. to digital, optimized for personal preference and, and uh,
0: customization. So Mark, that's an amazing segue and you're doing so much innovation and thinking about um, old platforms and and giving them new life with new context and new needs from the consumer, right? So share a little bit of what's going on with Uninterrupted and the innovation that you're working
3: on. Absolutely, I mean, you know, I'd I'd add a a little different perspective because I mean, we talk so much about platforms and the ways that content are available and absolutely, because we have to be everywhere, all of us have to be everywhere um, the sports fan is, but I think one of the things, you know, that we also track very closely, is you know what do they want? You know, how does how has storytelling evolved? How has it changed? And it's changed really radically. I mean, the expectations that our audience has around storytelling have changed because there's so much exposure to competitive media that has excellent storytelling. I know some of those, right? <laughs> and, you know, and how do we reflect, the, you know, that, some of that same sensibility mm-hmm. um, in terms of creating compelling storytelling? You know, a great example recently is um, on March 1st, uh, The Undefeated, which is a six-year-old property uh, of ESPN, um, became Anscape. Um, and, you know, so what's in a name? Uh, you know, what's in a name is, you know, The Undefeated was built and launched at the intersection of race, culture, and sports. Um, And then the rest of the world caught up to to Undefeated. And Undefeated had to throw out the next marker. You know, it had to be where the puck's going to be, to use that old thing. And, and, you know, where the puck's going to be next is this, like, really comprehensive and inclusive intersection of sports and just about everything. In this case, black and everything. Because sports isn't on the court anymore. Um, you know, nobody shuts up and dribbles. Um, you know, it's in fashion, it's in culture, it's just infused everywhere. And you know, the way we follow our audience and the sports fan, you know, we got to be in the same place, and we got to tell stories uh, that uh, that align with that that uh, very deep audience need.
0: Yeah, very much so. That's awesome. So. Stephanie, it's perfect segue to you and storytelling. You guys are absolute masters at it.
4: So. <laughs> what? I don't know what you mean. All of, <laughs> none of our outcomes are predetermined.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely none of that. <laughs> We're going to save that part for when we get to gambling. Okay. Get to okay, great. Okay. Good,
4: okay. good. Um, you no. Know, so, WWE, we've been platform agnostic for quite some time because it really is all about the fan first. And you do have to reach them where they are, when they are, how they want to consume content. So... We do still believe there's an opportunity, especially in in linear. Um, We also have digital and social, our AVOD strategy, and then our streaming um, opportunity. And we launched our own direct-to-consumer eight years ago. So we were actually one of the first to launch, and it was called WWE Network. And we learned a lot of lessons along the way. And one of the lessons that we learned, especially as everyone else was getting into the streaming world, was that we didn't want to compete from a technology standpoint. Mm -hmm. We're not a technology company. We're a storytelling company. And we're going to focus on what we do best. So domestically, we have a partnership with Peacock for all of what was our pay-per-view business, is now called our premium live event business. Um, That has been a shift in branding. We've seen an increase of 49%. Um, in our viewership in that platform versus when it was on WWE Network. So for that and many other reasons, it's certainly been a success. Um, But in terms of storytelling, you have to tell stories. It's the the most basic form of communication. And I think it's great how it has evolved with sports Mm -hmm. because it's the athletes too. Who are they? Why do they matter? Why do I care to watch them? That's the same as WWE superstars in the ring. Why do I care to see who's going to win or lose? And these platforms allow us the opportunities to go deeper and give people the opportunity to truly engage. And just one last thing I would say is, I think it's important to think of not just your customers, but think of your customers as fans, Mm -hmm. right? It's just, it's a different lens. And when you think about them as fans, you wanna wanna super serve that fandom and really ignite that passion in as many ways as you can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Dave, you're holding this amazing amount of data and bringing focus back to what's happening on court, on pitch, on the field, and talk about what what kind of the evolution there has really unlocked in our potential to feed an entire new industry, and we'll get to that in a second, but really from from the aspect of telling stories and bringing people closer, honestly closer to the game and closer to the athletes.
5: Yeah, so there is so much data. I'm very slow and we gotta talk about data. The, just a little bit. Just, just, just a little, a little it's in the contract. <laughs> um, and it's you know we have our normal box score data and all this stuff that we all grew up with, we have player tracking data, and now we have some betting data, and then we have since our new friends with uh, a company recently acquired Synergy, all this great coaching data, and it's hard to tell a story that's really easy to consume, right? When you when you watch Sunday Night Football or something like that, and they're, and, and they're talking through the play by play and all, it just it happens, it feels natural, right? Mm-hmm. When you watch a Division three college game and listen to that person calling the game and it's kind of awkward and you just don't feel right, that's what data does. If you don't tell a good story with the data, it gets awkward and it becomes cumbersome. And what we're trying to do is make it obvious. So you put all that data together and you tell a story. You tell a story about you know, why somebody's fast, why somebody's slow, why it's important that somebody's fast right now and why somebody's slow later. So, Yeah, it's about taking all these different panes of glass and being able to kind of bring it down to a one-to-one and make somebody feel good about the way they're engaging with the sport.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and we found, and um, we, we have a, an overlay on our our events called X-ray. It's if you watch Prime Video and you're watching Mrs. Maisel, and you want to know more about the actor or what music was playing, you tap and you can get more information. When you do that during sports, we we have you, you don't leave the event, but instead we show a bunch of data and instantaneous highlights and other insights. And so what we found is you're right. It, it we have the basic data, but what what what, what our customers have really responded to our next-gen stats. Things like, so I just saw that play. Was that hard? It, it looked hard, but the data is telling me it was actually easy. Was, you know, we do it through mm-hmm. graphics, and we'll, we'll talk about it later, but we have a big Thursday night football package coming exclusively in the fall, and that's one of our key goals is to use data to, to help with storytelling. It has to be intuitive and easy to understand. And we found that fans who watch, who, who actually engage with the data on X-ray, watch a lot longer. Exactly. than mm-hmm. then, then, um, then even fans who just watch on Prime Video. And Prime Video already fans who watch on Prime Video, because we have a more of an interactive experience with options, which audio you want to listen to, other things, those fans watch on average 15 minutes longer than fans who watch on TV. So we all know it's happening. It's just a question of how do we actually engage them and give them something more intuitive that's additive to the experience as opposed to being homework or trying to get them to bet if they don't want to or things like that. So it's, it's a great, it's, it's a really exciting time to be innovating on behalf of fans.
0: Yeah. Have you seen anything in terms of a tipping point when it's, there are too many layers, or there's too much we're trying to add to the experience and maybe folks aren't engaging in, from a fan perspective? Have you seen anything, Maria, in, in what you guys have been looking well, at? Well, the advantage
2: we have is we're OTT, right? So it's an interactive engagement. We, we, we'll give, you can just sit back on your couch and watch it. You know, the same, I always make the joke, broadcast hasn't changed in probably 30 years except for the hairstyles, and so we, you can sit back and have a big screen experience. Most yeah. of our consumption is actually on TV, but then everything else we do is really fan or customer initiated. Sure. So you have to choose your experience. Yep. And I think it's a, it's why we talked in the beginning. It's great to be starting OTT because it's the two way experience. They mm-hmm. let us know what they want. They just you just offer optionality, and you don't you're never going to overwhelm the fan if it's
4: up to them what because they want. Because they're choosing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's and great. It's its own form of experiential. You know, it's it's you don't have to necessarily go to a live event though those are great, too. I think you're going to have, you know, different people doing different things, but that's an opportunity to be experiential and just truly engage deeper. You know, again, giving those reasons, right? The why. Why should I care? What's going to intrigue me?
5: Yeah, and Steph, you mentioned it yesterday. I think it was the things happen during the match that all of a sudden you actually change the script a little bit, right? Well, it's just like sports is the same way. It's a blowout. It's the seventh inning. When I was a kid, I'd always listen to Bob Euchre by the seventh inning, you could tell he had a few. And he, he, uh, it was hilarious. And it was the best part of the game It was when he went off on, in the left center field somewhere. But the thing is, is that there are things we can do now. Maybe introduce a parlay. Maybe introduce something that's a little bit different, right? That, that actually makes the, 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 the viewer stay on the broadcast a little bit longer, engage a little bit deeper, right? Yeah. So we, ha- we don't have to take that same one singular path anymore.
0: Yeah. Mark, how are you guys thinking about that? Yeah,
5: you know, I think
3: the, um, you know, kind of take a slightly different perspective. I mean, we're all overwhelmed by data. I mean, there's just never been more data available ever. And, you know, so the real challenge, and, you know, I think it's fine in an OTT experience to kind of ask the sports fans to figure out, you know, what they want and what they don't want. But at the same time, I mean, I think the opportunity, uh, you know, is around giving them things they never even knew they want. Wanted, And I think, you know, when you combine great storytellers with great data, you know, that's how you, um, you know, I think that's how you reach that state of perfection, right, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, we powerfully want to say something, you know, what's the data that allows us to speak that? And this is a focus, a very, very um, tight focus for us uh, within ESPN ESPN Edge, which is our innovation lab, which is now recently attached to... Um, you know our data scientists and analysts. So we brought those two things together. Kevin Lopes is here, who um, is is head of ESPN Edge, sitting in the front row, shaking his his head. Um, but should, the, should he stand up? He should, he should stand. He should stand
0: up.
3: Come on. <laughs> yeah, we heard about your sneaker
0: game too. His sneaker game. Look is, at his sneaker game. His, his sneaker game's game point.
3: Is, is so on point. That's right. Um, <laughs> You know, but we're, you know, with our partners, Accenture uh, and Microsoft and Verizon, we are so excited about, you know, when we, when we uh, you know, bring all of this um, capacity together mm-hmm. and we combine that with some of the best storytellers in the business, we're so excited about what the output of that is that that's going to be. I mean, it is a tour de force of, you know, everybody we could find in the industry that's at the top of their game, all the people internally Mm-hmm. and just unlocking the resource, the reach of everything at ESPN to go after that. So, you know, very, very excited about that.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, so we've been tiptoeing around it a little bit. I guess we have to kind of take on the betting side of this with, with a little more gusto, and it gets really interesting because we start to talk about, you know, where where it makes sense and, and maybe where it doesn't, and Marie, we'll end up circling up on, on the NFL Thursday night rights and, and kind of land there, but... Um, I think, Stephanie, we had such an interesting conversation about this is this huge business, this huge form of engagement now for consumers that have come in. Yes, it's scripted, but what could be interesting in this space? Is there is there room for a conversation here in terms of some form of an extension or something else that could come out of, all the work you do to really meet your fans' needs that that could create an interesting opportunity bringing these worlds together.
4: Absolutely. Well, we currently have a partnership with DraftKings, but it's very much free to play. Um, But when you think about there were four states um, in America, uh, Michigan, Indiana, Colorado, and New Jersey, that allowed betting for the first time on the Oscars. So Mm -hmm. if you can (laughs) bet on the Oscars, you can bet on WWE. Um, and there has to be all kinds of regulation and things that are locked and who knows what and all of those things, um, but it's a never-say-never never proposition, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, people, this business is absolutely booming, and, and it seems very closely tied to media rights, of course, and, you know, how does it all work together, um, but we, we do believe ultimately, you know, that there will be a place for WWE and absolutely in the free-to-play.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, it's super interesting and just a whole nother layer of engagement because you guys have done a lot as well to kind of overlay your digital experiences with your live events, right? Like, yes. we talked a bit over the last couple of years, you were one of the only places to go for a full house for, for a live event. So, you know, tell us a little bit about that.
4: Sure. So during the pandemic, you know, WWE never went off the air. Um, so we continued to produce our programming. We did it from um, our performance center, which was, you know basically a warehouse, hoping to be back, you know to, to full arenas sooner than we were, and we weren't. So we had to figure out a way to deliver a better experience for our fans. And we partnered with the famous group, and we created this sort of virtual arena. We took up residency at the Amway Center in Orlando, and we had virtual screens, and they were levels back, you know, akin to to the arena, so it really did feel like you had a live <laughs> audience. And I had the opportunity to uh, perform in one of the shows, and walking out, you really feel like all of those people were looking at you, you know, and that any little thing you did, but they they were live during commercial breaks, they were live, or like, they were there the whole time, so it was a little unnerving, but what an incredible experience, and it also allowed us to experience with AR, with pyro, with drone cameras, with, I mean, things that we just couldn't do normally because there are human beings in their seats, and, you know, it could be dangerous in some aspects of, <laughs> of where we were experimenting, but we've now taken a lot of that learning and applied it, That's right. you know, to our programming. There is so much AR in our shows right now. I Even if you're not a fan, I encourage you to watch watch the entrances, see how we utilize these graphics and bring things to life. We just did it uh, in a partnership with Toyota um, where we had, you know, this AR truck driving through things on our big, you know, entrance Tron. It's 8K technology. I mean, it's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I think there's so many different ways to bring content to life utilizing this technology that we may not have done so quickly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like going back, kind of being in a pinch where you had to make some quick, nimble choices, but then now you can take that and you're preparing for the next phase, which we won't leave here without at least touching on the metaverse a little bit. Um, So Dave, talk a bit about kind of this push into and kind of feeding the beast of betting, if you will, what that has, has caused in terms of really looking at different aspects of the game, different aspects of athletes' performance beyond, you were saying before, setting some context with storytelling, but Where's the demand coming from and where do you see you guys, you know, as the purveyors of that data kind of really working with folks like the rest of your esteemed colleagues here to take that to the next level?
5: Yeah, so it, betting is new, obviously, and we're still learning. As a, comp- as a whole country, we're still learning. We're still learning how to bet. We're still learning what to bet. Um, and it's still not that easy. It's still a little bit of work. So there's a lot of education that has to happen for our broadcasters, for you know, really all of our partners, so that the storytelling does include betting, kind of disarming yeah. uh, and just make, and making it fun, right? Because you don't, again, the work part of it is hard. You just want to be able to, to have it happen. So, and really, you know, with, with a lot of the storytelling we do, we need to be able to make it so that the somewhat unbelievable is believable and make it so that what you're seeing actually is leading you to a conclusion mm-hmm. to make you feel a little bit smarter, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to make you lean in. That's what's going to make you respond and actually engage with FanDuel or whomever, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, the purpose of the storytelling needs to be a little bit more forward-looking to get you to really to lean into it a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. So Marie, as you unpack kind of all the opportunities coming up with Thursday night and kind of this first-ever type of situation that you're in, really, um, with this being kind of the only place to go at that point. Where do you see this all coming together? As you start to think about it, how do we make this new, wild, and different, and kind of the most engaging Thursday night ever seen?
2: Yeah, that's our plan. And we talked a little bit before we came out. It's a new campfire experience. So we have, for the first time ever, the NFL has awarded a national package to a streaming streaming company exclusively, so we have the opportunity, I joke about the hairstyles, but the truth is (laughs) the last time the NFL started a new package was 1994, I think, 94, yeah, 94 with Fox, so this is the first opportunity to literally reimagine the game, the broadcast, the talent, the pregame, the postgame, just the entire experience, and so we, you know, the game is paramount, so don't worry, if you're an NFL fan and you come to us this fall, you'll recognize it. And you'll enjoy it. But it also offers us a great opportunity to innovate. Um, And so that's what we're focused on. We do think. There's a lot of opportunity. I talked a little bit about the engagement and the interactivity. We also think there's a way, you know, sports is ultimately about social currency. It's what you talk to your friends about. It's you want to be smarter. You want to bring an insight that someone else didn't know about or just to, to have a great conversation. And so a lot of our broadcasts will be focused on that. Um, we're Right now, we're going through our, our new music package, our new graphics package, the whole thing. And, and the most exciting thing for me personally, having come here for 12 or 13 years, is how do we integrate? how do we make fans smarter without it being homework? You know, and the game moves so fast. What's the quick, intuitive way to explain what the quarterback's choosing between in that play or what that, or, or what that lineup means or, um, what, what, you know, there's probability. We probably won't get too much into prediction. I think prediction, you can be wrong. The real thing is, how, if, what, is the, what is the probability? What is the most likely play? Why would they choose this? Why would they choose that? Um, did that work? Should they have done something else? And so that's what we're really, really excited about. It's hard. Like, I, everyone, It's very hard to serve tens of millions of fans um, concurrently streaming, and, and we're doing that. That was our first battle. Now it's really how do you make fans engage and understand all the data and all the information out there in a way that's fun and intuitive? And it, we're, having, we're having a ball figuring it out. But we, we have to start with the customer just because you know, we live and breathe this every day doesn't mean fans will appreciate it. So that's the part we're workshopping now and we're really excited
0: about it. You know, you touch on this this idea of campfire moment and things and how that's all changed. And I think one thing is, as we prepared for this together, we talked about, and you just mentioned it too, that this is a shared experience. For the most part, it's a shared experience. And we may all be in the same room watching something together, or we might be doing it and we we can touch on Twitch if you want to, but I would love to hear, Mark, your perspective on Just stopping and recognizing that really enjoying sports and entertainment is a shared experience and and what that kind of opens us up to as we think about current mediums and future.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, you know, I mean, really the rise of significance of social media for us and for sports generally really kind of, um, uh, you know, really points the way there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all conversations. You know, we've had tremendous success on, on platforms like TikTok, which, I mean, are not obvious, for ESPN or for sports. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just shows that this currency is so valuable when posed the right way and put on the right platform. You know, and the, th- and the thing that I think my colleagues have done so brilliantly is ESPN on TikTok, ESPN on Instagram, ESPN on every platform where it appears, you know, was really closely and carefully tailored to that platform. You know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, that may not sound like... Um, uh, you know, an act of genius, which is really hard to do, and it takes a lot of commitment to pay attention, to pay attention that closely um, on an audience-by-audience basis, and that ethic has now, I think, spread to the networks, you know, where you really see these, these, uh, these tailored products, these diverse products, these conversations, even about the same uh, sport or same broadcast, you know? mm-hmm. it's evident in the megacast, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, it is about the conversation, and I think we are all living in that place now. It is the water cooler, it's the campfire, and that's kind of what sports is for in many respects.
0: Yeah. yeah. Steph, tell us a little bit about what that is unlocked in terms of character development, right? So you're the ultimate content machine, storyteller. What does creating these shared experiences and dialogues between all the characters in your story you know, been unlocked in, in social and in digital.
4: Sure, and there's so many things I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna Go try. for it. So We're here. W- w- one got, of the things that I think is important is testing and learning, right, especially on these platforms, because it's not just, it's not only, right, paying attention, it's also trying things mm-hmm. and letting the audience know you're trying things. And what's cool about this time period is that the audience wants you to try things and they then want to tell you what they think. Um, you just have to listen. And, and listen to the, you know, the bigger themes that come out of it, you know, harkening back to the multitude of data that we all have. What are the bigger key themes that we can then pull out of? Um, but shared experiences are really what WWE is all about. And when you think about um, TikTok, so we tested um, a recruiting strategy through TikTok. And it did not work. We wanted, I mean, it worked a little bit, but not well. Um, and shortly thereafter, we then did a ring announcer contest for SummerSlam to find our next ring announcer, and that worked very well. Um, so we had to find, you know, what, what was it that worked for that audience, and now we just uh, recently announced that we're going to have a, a TikTok digital correspondent, so there's a contest for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just another way to, to sort of engage. Um and you have to, when you're thinking about all of these different platforms, it, it really does create the opportunity for people to connect in ways that they didn't necessarily anticipate before. Yeah. And then how do you bring that together down, down the funnel? Um, WrestleMania, which is akin to our Super Bowl, you typically sees people from more than 60 countries, all 50 states, all different backgrounds, beliefs, you know, religions, etc., and they all come together to share this one thing that they love, Mm-hmm. And then digital allows them to do that even when they're not live in the arena. And that, I know we're going to talk about it in a minute, but that is what excites me so much about the potential of the metaverse, mm-hmm. right? It's, it is really all about these shared experiences and doing the things that, that you love. Um, so that's, that's how we look at it.
0: Yeah. And I think the testing and learning approach is interesting. I mean, just share for a minute honestly, what you're doing kind of moment to moment as you're having an event.
4: Oh, so, so I now this is fascinating. are so.
0: so, yeah, sometimes
4: there is, you know, a lot of improv in what we do. And it's all based on audience reaction when you're live in the moment. So you can, whether you're speaking on the microphone or you're in the middle of a match, cheering, good. Booing, also good. <laughs> Silence, unless it's intentional, not good. Right, and, and you have the opportunity to respond even in a match, right? Like, wow, what we're doing isn't working. What are we what how are we gonna fix this? Um, and we also then rely on social media, we rely on rely on e-commerce sales, we rely on, you know, basically any aspect of data that we can get to to supplement what we're feeling from that live audience. But mm-hmm. you know, never negate the live audience. The yep. the live audience is critical. They are, I think, one of your, your most core passionate fans are coming out. To really experience with their families, with their friends, whatever it is, generationally. Um, and that, that matters.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's fascinating. Um, Marie, talk a little bit about, as, as you look out and, and think about kind of bringing, bringing this to life across multiple platforms, creating these forms of engagement, yes, there's going to be a live audience, obviously, in wherever the games are being played but social acts as a bit of a live audience. I know we do a ton of work in the social and digital space and we are monitoring real time, millions and millions of people having big conversations and sentiment. How do you guys think about that and kind of integrating that feedback into your work?
2: Yeah, well, we, we obviously watch social and social sentiment's important. We engage with our customers there, but we also have Twitch. So Twitch to us, which isn't often called a social network, it really is. And it's, it's a community network. So those of you who know Twitch, you know it's, it's an opportunity to actually, what we do is we show the NFL games on Twitch. So you can, mm-hmm. you can watch the game. With your favorite creator, your favorite talent, and with that community, and so it's, an, it's, it's a generational. That is a that's a live audience for a younger generation, and the Twitch demos are so young, mm-hmm. um, it's it's incredible, and it's a great way to to reach that audience. And it it's not even a lab; it it's live. You're seeing every day. I mean, they are engaging. We do we also do some NFL shows on Twitch outside of the game broadcast and they're interactive shows, so you know immediately what's working, what's not working, and they expect that. So that's why as we, can, as we um, launch Thursday Night Football um, and engage in even other, and, and license other rights, that's the, that's the piece that we've really learned a lot, that you, can, it's, a, it's a live pulse, and mm-hmm. it's, it's the best of sports, you know, it's the live community, and it's the most exciting part of sports where you know what they like and don't like. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's a great sandbox for us. And, I, and we continue to see that's more and more the way broadcast will be going because we're already two-way, but it will continue to be two-way and continue to be communities and, and interactivity and not just um, having an opportunity to impact what you're seeing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Dave, how does kind of the real-time performance on... The field or the court you know really feed into this in terms of how are you working with folks like what everybody's doing here but as well as other clients in terms of capturing that and having them manage it in a response to it in real time talk a little bit about that i don't actually know the intricacies about how it how it may work in any sort of a lag Um, in time that that could exist, but share a little bit about that.
5: Yeah, so I mean, the way we we take the data and use it more in real time, it it does really relate back to the storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we talk about the fastest guy in the NFL game. Well, he's the guy that's running down on a punt. That's, okay, that's not really particularly interesting. Um, But the fastest guy in the NHL is going to be somebody, you know, probably a defenseman skating back into the corner um, to retrieve the puck. Mm Hmm, Hmm, okay, well, that's uh, whatever. Oh, yeah, he's on a power play. Okay, that's starting to get more interesting. So now it's, if you, if you start to look at a, a defenseman, a great example this morning um, about not having so many um, block shots. Mm-hmm. So we are late in the game. He's only got two block shots. What's the matter with him? And, well, in reality, he's a really effective player because he's diffusing that play before it happens. The shot doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. As a defenseman, I ate a lot of pucks. I have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> the thing is is that you know, being able to tell that story real time, it, as the box score develops and all, of these, all, of these, all of these things happen, it makes it a lot more engaging, a lot more fun. You can yeah. explain, oh yeah, that, that's, that's, this is why this is happening. right? Mm-hmm. So being able to actually follow the player tracking, follow the coaching outlet, follow all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Those are the things you have to do to be able to go that extra step, because the talent calling the game Turns out they're kind of engaged calling the game. You need to be able to bring these things forward and help them use their own voice to, yeah. to, to bring those things.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So how's the metaverse going to change all this? What do, what do we think here? We've had, I, we're kind of snickering a little bit under, under our breath at the same time saying, how much is it going to change? <laughs> and like you had mentioned, Stephanie, like we've already been getting ready for this with AR, VR technology, and it's happening in Roblox every day and in other places, but... Let's talk. What, what does that next dimension, literally a third dimension, being added here, really do to this overall experience? And where do you see, where do you see your opportunities? I'll start with you, Mark.
3: Yeah. Look. Look. I think the principal opportunity is to just, you know, figure out what the meta, what the heck the metaverse is. It really is right. right? <laughs> you stop ten people in the street, you probably get you know, ten different answers. Um, you know, we, um, you know, we again really just think about. Um, what is the audience, what are sports fans permissioning ESPN to do? What do they want us to do where they want us to show up? And I think you know, the clear answer is they expect ESPN to always be in the forefront of technology, um, you know, always being on the platforms where, where they are, and you know, offering uh, context and content around sports um, in all those places. So whatever the metaverse is um, and whatever it ends up being called will be there. Um, one of the things we're most interested in, you know, I think, um, is this concept of interoperability, right? Because when you really mm-hmm. think, we've kind of been in the metaverse in, in many ways. Um, we had a deal, you no, know, I mean, some two and a half years uh, ago with Fortnite. And, um, you know, in their party royale, we had an yep. experience that was, you know, ESPN the Ocho. Um, so you could go and consume content, play uh, mini games. and But could you, you know, play dodgeball? Um, you couldn't play dodgeball, oh. but, you know, we, you know, we will get there. Um, and so, you know, so what is this new piece of metaverse all about? You know, for us, it's really about interoperability. You know, Marie says we go back to the, the music business. I'm embarrassed to, to tell you all that that is indeed the case. Um, and the thing that really unlocked uh, music on the web was, you know, interoperability, which was essentially MP3s. Right, so you could pick them up any place, you could play them any place, and you think about, you know, what that really means for an immersive 3D experience, and how you kind of take, you know, permissions and contents, and um, and items you have in one world, and get those things transferred to another, and you know, how does that intersect with sports? I mean, it's it, it's fascinating. I mean, you think, you know, sports so good at you know collectability. Um, uh-huh. You know, so good at conversation and, uh, and fandom. I think there's this idea of inclusiveness, like everybody all, always wants to be a part. I'm really sad I missed your TikTok contest because I
0: could <laughs> have something. I done something. You there. can still yeah, enter. But,
3: but, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so people want to be in the mix, you know, and mm-hmm. I think all of those tendencies we see in sports fans are going to manifest yeah. themselves in whatever the metaverse becomes, and ESPN will be right there with them.
0: That's fantastic. It's fascinating. Stephanie, what do you think? I know you guys are really thinking about this. Uh, yeah. My mind, you know, I think we're
4: sort of limited by our own imaginations in terms of what it could be. But at its core, what makes the most sense to me is hearkening back to the shared experience. It is the community. It is the bringing of people together, you know, that's that's with these new worlds and opportunities and interoperability, and mm-hmm. I have a hard time saying that. And um, everything else, but it's about people coming together in a virtual world to share something, whatever that mm-hmm. thing might be, and explore, you know, and, and what is, is it going to be centralized or decentralized, and, and how many people are going to convert to blockchain and when, and how many people are going to have crypto wallets and all of those things, like, for a mass general audience, where do you start, when do you start, who do you partner with, all those things, right, that's what we're all, I think, thinking about. And um, it's it's coming, right? So how are we going to play? And I think it's going to evolve in more ways than we could, you know, even talk mm-hmm. about today.
0: Have mm-hmm. you started looking at, and I know we didn't talk about this, so I apologize, but I just had this thought as we're sitting here, looking at kind of the type of access you can unlock there, right? So one mm-hmm. of the things we're thinking about, especially in the music business, believe it or not, at watch my music is thinking about access that can come in this space, whether it's through NFTs or whatever, the value that really comes from it is for those folks who now want to have a dialogue and an experience, a two-way experience, your interoperability. But have you thought about that as you look at, like, your most avid, amazing fans as well as those that are on the fringes and maybe this can unlock something that brings them that next Definitely. That
4: has to be a part of it. You know, yeah. you have to reward them, you know, for, for what they're doing and make it a destination. You yeah. Know, what are they going to get there that they're not going to get anywhere else? Yeah. You know? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Marie, what did... In terms of, as you think about, not just Thursday night, but are there other properties or, or groups of fans and customers that you've seen where that that next level of access really becomes kind of the thing that, whoa? Well, now they're there. They're not only sticking to the broadcast longer or the stream longer, but now they're doing lots of other things with you.
2: Yeah, um, we found it actually, it's a little old school. I'll give you an example. We, we have a series called All or Nothing where you can follow Man City or... or um, Arsenal, different teams. And we found a real, that level of access really makes fans obviously then much more interested and understand more the live events we show. So then the Premier League um, game matches we show in the UK. We have a, we have a great Wayne Rooney doc right now that, that's actually out globally so people should watch it. And it's giving, you know, the level of access and understanding of those athletes, then it's a natural progression Um, to have them they also understand the game or understand what the coaches and the players are going through and so we've we found that Um, but also just you know to come back to it, OTT the access we can provide just we were talking about this the other day you know normally mic'd up you get you know a few times during the broadcast you can be mic'd up you know they'll they'll be able to insert a mic'd up we could put all of that online I mean everyone always wants a little delay in case someone says something (laughs) that's fine but you can literally go back in and have imagine you could have the whole game mic'd up or you can have that that player would up because we have unlimited um, unlimited we don't have shelves sp- we don't have a shelf space issue and we can actually you can choose how you want to engage and it was funny when Mark was saying you know sometimes delight customers what we found is we always try to delight customers and sometimes they just surprise us in the UK yeah. for the Premier League just kind of on a whim the data didn't show us that we should do this but we put up one of the audio options was just the natural sounds of the stadium which for a premier league match is is a thing of beauty and we didn't even promote it and we found fans just loved it so i just think the more the, the more access the more mm-hmm. optionality you can give customization i just i just think fans will be delighted and and sports fans always want to be closer. They, they would love to be in... Lock- that's one of the most popular things, are locker room tours, not when they, even when the athletes are there, just seeing the locker room.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's great
2: opportunity. That absolutely. next level
0: of the relationship, yeah. right? Um, and I think that's pervasive across all fans. I think women fans have you know historically been the ones, well, they want to know what's going on behind the scenes and, and not as much um, to, to fandom in, in general. But I think we're starting to see with more access, and I know we're starting to see it, sorry, in our data that the more we give, the more they want to know, and and it really can deepen that relationship. And for brands who are participating in it, you're getting a lot more money for your your partnerships, obviously.
4: Well, and next gen's like that, too. I mean, when you think about gaming, you can have, you know, teenagers who are playing Madden, I'll just use as an example, and they absolutely love it. They know all the stats. They know all the players. They know all the history, and they've never watched a game Mm-hmm. you know, on television. They, they only know what they've learned through, through playing the game and through the internet. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's just a fascinating new world and yeah. new experience.
0: Yeah, I think that, and then Marie, to your point on the younger audience with Twitch, what a gateway. Mm. <laughs> That's just fantastic, you know, to, to have that come back. So I'm, I'm going to be mindful of time. And we did have some questions come in um, via Twitter. So I have a couple that that I, will, that I will ask you. So these are open. We're not getting more questions, folks. Come on, send them in. The bar cart didn't come. Nobody can be sleepy. Let's go. Um, But the first one, what do you think about the breadth of streaming options? And do more options make it difficult, not just for providers but for fans? Um, Or the number that we have and kind of the continued growth in streaming options, is that something that can be capitalized on? This is a jump ball. Who Who has thoughts on this? Well, we, we all look all, at Marie. Everyone look looks at Marie.
2: Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So Marie, yeah. we're, we're, we're pretty unique. So we, we, because they always put us in the streaming company bucket, and um, we're quite unique. Um, obviously, we're Prime Video, part of Prime. So if you have Prime, you have access to Prime Video. Um, so we, we find it, in, and our our customers find it an incredible benefit. Um, and sports, obviously, is a smart way for us to both bring new customers into pr- into Prime very successful in the UK when we launched the Premier League. It was the two, was the two biggest Prime sign-up days ever in the UK. Um, but also, just people already have access to Prime Video, and so to get them to come in and, and, and number one, test Prime Video, because they already have access to it. Maybe they come in for Prime Video and they end up seeing Lord of the Rings or Mrs. Maisel. Um, and we, we believe wholeheartedly in the power of sports, so we know that those are the most engaged hours we have. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're big fans of streaming but we do like to point out that we're
4: different and it's not one size fits all. Yeah. And, and I think just to, to add to that, um, in terms of WW network, one of the other reasons we did change our whole philosophy and strategy is because of how cluttered the space is getting. Um, there are so many new streaming services all the time and, and I find speaking just as a consumer, that it is challenging to keep up with, you know, what's there, what's available. You know, there, I think that, you know, tremendous platforms are, are way ahead of the game with algorithms serving you content. You know, you think about even um, Netflix, right? And all of the different proliferation of content that they have, and some of it is very niche, mm-hmm. right? They're serving a very small niche audience. Um, but how does that audience then know that content's even available? Well, because, you know, the algorithm's telling them that. So how are the bigger platforms gonna then do the same thing?
3: Right, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, discoverability is one of I, I you know, I think one of the principal challenges now, you know, where there's such fragmentation in sports rights, and I think that's, I, you know, I think in many ways it's good, um, you know, because so many different perspectives offered by, uh, you know, different sports media companies, and I think ultimately it kind of, uh, you know, moves us all along. We all get better by virtue of that competition. Um, but, you know, but from a consumer perspective, I'm a, you know, rabid, um, Premier League fan, and, you know, to kind of find the game I want, the match I want about the team I love is a you know, really, really tough challenge, right? Because there's, you know, there's fragmentation kind of across competitions, right? But then there's also fragmentation even within mm-hmm. media companies, you know, what's on, you know, what's on streaming, you know, what's on the principal channels, and to just find what you want at any given time. Is uh, you know, was a, that's a problem we all have to come together and figure out you know, figure out how to solve. It's funny, I just saw Bohan, Han who's a principal of a company called Buzzer, and you know what's so great is there are so many cool ideas out there. Like you know, with their whole uh, uh, you know their whole plan is to you know push little clips of highlights and uh, and uh, you know put those into your notification tr- stream. And then you know, it will take you to whatever platform is offering it and offer you different levels of transactions. Like, you can do micro-subscription, you can subscribe to the whole thing. Um, you know, I'm not saying that's the holy grail, but you know, I'm saying there's a room for a lot of good ideas mm-hmm. um, you know, about how to overcome that fragmentation, you know, how to give sports fans very particular about what they're looking for and when, you know, really how to,
5: how to super serve them. Yes. Yeah. And I'd- Plus one on that. Discoverability is the biggest problem. We covered 425,000 matches live last year.
0: Yeah.
5: I'm shocked at how many things I can find my way to watch now that I know they're there.
0: Yeah, but and, you didn't before, right?
5: Uh, the well, process
0: I, of being in this business helped you find it.
5: Uh, yes, you have yeah. to be an expert <laughs> to be able to find it, and we have legions of people all over the world to help you find it. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot more than I. I got FOMO. I didn't realize how much I was missing until mm-hmm. I actually side. hmm
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. So, Mark, while, while you're here, there's a question for you. Um, so, you opened up about Anscape. How do you feel about hyper-segmentation and how to elevate those stories worldwide?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, fortunately, I'm part of a larger company, the Walt Disney Company, which is great <laughs> at storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one, at one point of discovery, you know, I think, um, you know, for the last few years, kind of, um, you know, even starting with with uh, films like Black Panther, and um, uh, you know, more recently Encanto. There's this idea, like, if you, even if you tell very niche stories um, in a very authentic way that address universal themes, those stories can become important. You know, at the time that Black Panther came out, I sat in uh, in the consumer products and parks and resorts group, and nobody thought that that movie would perform outside of the United States, right, because they felt that, you know, the themes were really um, oriented um, really towards, you know, African-American themes, and those things just wouldn't resonate. Uh, you know, the film performed incredibly well in, like, Poland and China, and all these places where it was wholly unexpected, and that was largely because—Coco was very similar too—it's largely because— you know, these were universal themes. Um, the stories were really resonant and really well told and crafted. You know, mm-hmm. I think the same thing's true in the sports world. You know, the aspiration for AnScape is not to be niche. You know, it's to elevate stories and perspectives that are really unique and really compelling, and you know, have access to to a broader audience who are inspired by these stories. So, uh, you know, for us, there's, ne- you know, there's no niche, right? Mm-hmm. There's always these. Uh, you know, points of attachment to very passionate audiences, and the opportunity to broaden the, broaden those stories through excellent storytelling and authenticity.
0: Yeah,
4: we and we've certainly found that with WWE. When you break it down in its most simplistic and basic form, you know, it's good versus evil, right? And that mm-hmm. that works everywhere, all over the world. And we're in you know 180 countries, a billion homes around the world, all that good stuff. Even if we do have local commentary, you don't necessarily need it. You can figure it out because it just—it does speak to a universal truth that's been around really since all of us have.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's pretty phenomenal. So while I have you, there's, there is a very specific question. Oh, okay. okay. So what influenced the recent shift from WWE's decades-old practice of not acknowledging competitors to introducing Mickie James as TNA champion? To that end... Do you see AEW as a competitor or an opportunity for partnership?
4: Oh, very interesting question. Right? Um, well, we look at everything as competition. Um, and that just goes for anything that's competing for people's time, right? Yep. No matter what it is. Um, so, you know, in that vein, I would <laughs> say absolutely. You know, AEW is competition. everything's is competition. Um, could there be a partnership with AEW? I don't see it happening anytime soon. But, <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and in terms of what shifted in the philosophy, it's not necessarily that we've never partnered with other independent organizations before. We absolutely have mm-hmm. um, in many different ways. Um, so it, it's not necessarily new, yeah. um, but sometimes it is good you know, to partner and do something a little bit different and engage and surprise and delight your audience.
0: Yeah, because they'll tell you. They will. Right? They're absolutely going to tell you, and I think that's been a recurring theme here. So I have... Uh, one general question. So this is this is open to everybody. When, if ever, I think it'll come. Um, do you think we'll see esports in primetime spots? Traditional channels. Potentially, the you know what is linear now. When do we think that that could happen in some primetime spots? Anybody have thoughts on that? It's already
2: happening. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. So drone racing. Spend during the day. That's not necessarily esports, but the closest to it when you look at that fan base. We do a lot of work on that fan base, but esports in general.
3: Yeah, but I mean, look. I mean, <clears throat> you know, the world um, was at home for a long time, right? And uh, you know, live sports weren't happening for a period of time, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. not remarkably whatsoever. Um, you know, we found our voice and foundation yeah. in esports. We had some great stuff. You know, I mean, the uh, you know, I think the virtual Formula One, the competitive networks had virtual NASCAR that I'm not going to say watched on another network, but it was pretty <laughs> badass. Um, and the um, um, uh, you know, so so it really it, the 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 ability of esports to take up the place. Of you know traditional league sports during that period of time mm-hmm. was really kind of awesome and and exceptional and I'll tell you it's changed the dialogue internally right because there's never this uh, never question that there's an audience out there that's really engaged and interested and um, you know even traditional sports fans will come F1 fans will come and watch a virtual F1 race yeah. um, you know just as ardently as they did. Uh, you know, the live races. Now, you know, it, and Stephanie has to say, it's nothing like a live audience, you know, and I think that part, mm-hmm. you know, that was the thing that was re- really missing in that period of time. And, you know, I do think there's a piece where we find that sweet spot mm-hmm. of, you know, esports and a live audience that's like really engaging and really uh, um, impacting the action. Mm-hmm. Right, so like even if you look at drone racing, you not have people standing up and cheering and booing and throwing stuff. I would do that, um, but um, you know, and I think that was, and I think that's always been an impediment, a little bit to, mm-hmm. to esports is not really figuring out like what the audience is, what the crowd is, what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to see, mm. how they fit into the storytelling. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. I also think that eSports, you know, can, and again, this is just my perspective, but I think they can do a, a better job in general of building the personalities, right? There, there's, again, there, and I am not an avid, you know, eSports gamer or participant, so please, for those of you who are, forgive my ignorance, but it seems as though that there's not a lot of that, and there's not a lot of storytelling, um, and there's not a lot of, hey, here's why you should care, unless you're a core gamer, and of course, that's mm-hmm. just what you really love. Um, so I think once some of those elements come into play, you know, who who knows what platform they're gonna ultimately live on? The audience is gonna tell us that where they wanna watch it. Yep. And I'm sure, you know, various networks are already testing, trying different things. We certainly saw it during the pandemic with, you know, other other <laughs> different networks different trying different things, but um, I do think you know, there are elements of it that can be beefed up um, to really attract that more mass audience.
0: Yeah, and I think to your point, if that's the need that's out there, all of these additional platforms and especially anything and everything social gives you the opportunity to build those brands, whether it's of individual players or of the games and leagues themselves or whatever. There's the opportunity to is tell there, those stories. Because now you can yep. have that, that two-way dialogue like we talked about. Um, So another one for you is since everything is cyclical, someone's teeing up here, do you see a return to game event access in a pay-per-view format in a really major way moving forward, separate from what's happening just in the streaming space? So do you see yourselves doubling down on any sort of additional access in a pay-per-view format?
4: Um, I think so, but again, it's going to depend on the platform and the experience we're looking for our, our fans to have. Yeah. Right, but there's definitely, there's different, we wanna be experimenting and and learning and and trying new things all the time. Um, So that's probably a good question for our fans, really. Right. What what do you wanna see differently and, and how can we provide that to you?
0: Yeah, yeah. Marie. Question here about, do we think there'd be the ability to shorten times between live sports and behind closed doors access storytelling? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the locker. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned and, and
2: folks were already doing that, right? So that's it's more creative choice about how long you want, Our, the All or Nothing series um, does, we actually traditionally waits until the next, the beginning mm-hmm. of the next season. Um, and we have we have shortened up some windows on that as well. So I think you'll, it, it changes, you know, you can, you know, hard knocks obviously goes week to week. So it's, it's really a creative choice and obviously working with the leagues and the team and the athletes, but uh, absolutely, you can have all, you know, I, I come, when I was at ESPN, I worked a lot obviously in the documentary space. And so I actually like documentaries where you let things season, marinate for a while, people talk more. You kind of know the story that you're, that you're telling, so you know it's a compelling story, you know what happens, you can bring a new angle to it or new perspective. Um, But the behind the scenes shows are pretty, it's a creative choice you wanna make, how edited you want them to be, what type of approvals. Um, But you're seeing all types of windows now. So yeah, I think some are doing it pretty quick.
0: That's awesome, that's awesome. So as we kind of, we're getting close to the end here, we talked a lot about kind of the shifting consumer dynamics, right? the fact that storytelling is such a theme coming through here, the idea of shared experiences. So, so much rapidly changed over the last couple of years. It's like we just stepped on the gas and accelerated everything. So talk about the next six months to a year. Kind of, Dave, I'll start with you. What are you most excited about? What do you think the next shift is going to be as we're talking about the future of sports business and the future of sports media?
5: I think the rise of in-play betting is going to be a really big deal. Mm -hmm. We're backwards from Europe. And we're a new market. It's going to take a while to get there. But the, I mean, the revenue opportunities for everybody in the ecosystem are going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the change that it's going to bring to our, our, our broadcast when you get into the, four, like I said before, the fourth quarter, and there's it's not particularly interesting. I think the ability to actually move that needle, and people have to accept it, and it has to be fun and engaging and all those kinds of things versus, like, doing your homework. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be a big change. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mark? Yeah. Look, I mean,
3: you know, the next the next thing is a little bit of a, a short cycle. I mean, it's, it's for okay, me. Okay. Go
0: out as far as you want. No, you look,
3: I think it's as far, you know, as far as I can see forward. I mean, this 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 idea of, you know, really connecting with people and whatever this world comes, I'm not <laughs> going to name it. Um, and you know, giving them give them the opportunity to like really be present. I mean, I you know we so. Uh, we saw a, um, a you know a presence technolo- a video presence technology that I mean was really breathtaking. I mean it's literally like you are in the room with the individual, that person, even though you know they're they can be several miles away, um, and you know so the, the idea of being in this space and you know sitting next to you know for me it would be Angola Kante and you know having a chat. I mean that'd be a really, really cool thing, and that sort of thing I'm very excited about. I mean this idea of um, you know talent and athletes being able to project themselves into your space in a way that you know almost feels real. Um, like I don't know, I you know I'm a sports fan. I would love that. I have a 2D um, you know wall sticker. Life size of Angola Conte, so all five foot four of him um, (laughs) on my office wall, but I'd love to have him sitting in my you know my desk chair, right? that That's pretty cool. I could get excited about that.
4: Right. <laughs> That's awesome. What do you think? I don't know anyone can top that. I know. That, <laughs> that is pretty cool. Oh. I mean, but you could have The Undertaker in your living room. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have, I've seen some of that technology, not that one specifically, but more AI driven and these human avatars that are being created that mm. have this incredible bank and, and all of this knowledge and they they can have a conversation with you. There's actually even... Um, some actors right now who are using their AI robot to do, you know, say they shoot a movie, they're using it to, for then their promos and different languages and things like that to promote the movie. That's already happening.
0: Yeah,
4: um, it's very expensive right now. It's it's um, you know a little bit of a barrier to entry, but that's going to open up eventually. And I think you know, right now everyone's talking, you know, of course blockchain, you know, the, the metaverse. Um, that's a lot of the conversations here. But AI hasn't been as much that I've that I've. You know, been involved in and talked about, and that is definitely, definitely right on the verge. Yep. And how is that going to impact all of our businesses?
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think, Marie?
4: And I can't wait to watch Thursday night football and, tri- and experiment and trial the different <laughs> thank, things. Thank you M- for Monday, for segue. <laughs> yeah.
3: Monday night's good
4: too. Monday night's good. Football night. So Monday night Raw also. Tradition. Monday night Raw. <laughs> <laughs> <So, what?
3: laughs>
4: uh oh, little throwdown right here at the yeah. end. Let's yeah, yeah, not
2: to give
3: you, not
4: to give
2: you the obvious answer, but six months we'll be launching Thursday night football. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> we
2: figured a little promo Is right at. Right, right, yeah, right, so I think of, we have you know one in thirty year. Chance to evolve and even reimagine the football watching experience. It's something we're really excited
0: about. It's awesome. Well, thank you all for your time today. We are we are right at time. I hope everybody's enjoyed hearing from this awesome group of panelists on the future sports business, future sport media. So thank you to each and every one of you. Thank you to all of you for hanging here for an hour.